Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Straight Talk podcast here at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. I'm joined today by my producer, Lindsay Burton. Say hi, hi. Lindsay. Hello. And we're going to talk a little bit about the governor's order and the reopening of businesses in a very structured way um, under COVID-19 and phase one of the new business climate. You'll notice that most of the restaurants you've been unable to eat inside of over the last few months, a lot of them now can allow up to 25% of their normal capacity in the door. Um, this Sunday, I was able to actually physically attend church in a very structured way with a mask and with uh, social distancing. And so it appears we're taking those first steps into opening up the economy again, which is very important. I saw it's interesting. Some... It's interesting to me um, how some places are moving faster and some places are moving slower. You mentioned going to your church, my my place of worship has not opened yet, and we don't have plans to reopen at this point. I think a lot of people are just seeing kind of what's going to happen. You know, you mentioned going to church, but what else has changed for you at this point? Well, that's the good news, is that I, I was able to go to church, and the crowd there was very careful. Nobody was hugging, and people were wearing masks, and there was some distancing, and the pastor did a really good job of helping to make sure people didn't sit on top of each other. I think the building normally holds around 200 people, and they cleared it for 50 uh, oh, wow. to attend. And so we had, I think, 45 people, something like that. I have some friends that go to larger churches, and they were making appointments online for a seat to make mm -hmm. sure that they actually had room for everyone in church. So, um, But they didn't stop the online worship. So they did the normal service, but they were streaming it live on Facebook and on their website at the same time, which I thought was pretty creative. Yeah, I think that's what we're going to see going forward. You know, personally, we have not changed much at all. We're still working from home. Our kids are still home with us. You know, we're still, of course, wearing masks everywhere. That's going to be the norm for a while. Yeah. Uh, but we're still kind of self-isolating here. Right. I think if you live with at-risk people, uh, and by at-risk, I mean people over 60, people who are overweight, people who have high blood pressure, people who are diabetic, people who have cardiac conditions or respiratory conditions or tobacco users, people who smoke or vape, all of those populations seem to have worse outcomes when they catch COVID. And so if I'm living with people or, or in contact with people on a regular basis who have those comorbidities and those conditions, I need to be extra careful and wear masks in public and make sure I don't get into crowds or go places where there are a lot of people jammed into a small space. I don't think we're really at the point where it's time to just throw off the controls and keep rolling. Uh, I went grocery shopping uh, yesterday, and I was a little disturbed. There were a larger proportion of people in the store not wearing masks. Some grocery stores require masks, but most of the bigger ones don't. And uh, also, I noticed that the store had gone to a lot of trouble to arrange the aisles in such a way with arrows and directionals so that when you walk through the store, you never had to meet anybody head on as long as they were following the guidance, which they weren't. Um, yeah. It was people were just chaotically going hither and thither. And I was just with it's my a mask. It's a big adjustment. 
You know, you're used, it's a big adjustment. You're used to being able to go down whatever aisle you want to. And now all of a sudden you have to think about everything. You have to think about leaving your house with a mask. You have to think about, you know, cleaning off the handlebars of the cart. You have to think about which way you're going. You have to check the aisle before you go down it to see if there's too many people. It's a lot. It's a very different groove, isn't it? To the way we live our lives normally. Um, you know, I saw a typical guy, I was later, usually I try and grocery shop around lunchtime or around one or two. I was later, it was closer to five in the evening and there were, it was a bigger crowd. And I saw the very typical, you know, guy getting off of work in a hurry, wife didn't cook, had two kids with him, zooming through the aisles as fast as he could. And I saw him and I went, you know, I didn't know if I would see that anytime soon, if they would still be careful. They weren't masked. They were just booking through there as fast as they could. Um, and so I was concerned. I was curious how they would do. But there's still a lot of people out there at risk um, for catching corona and having a very bad outcome. And so of course, do... we're still diagnosing cases in Louisiana. Absolutely. Uh, on the order of two to 300 people a day over the last week or two um, are still being diagnosed with COVID as active patients. There are over a thousand people still hospitalized uh, with COVID-19. And the last time I checked, uh, between less than 200, but more than 100 people on ventilators, uh, yeah. which is kind of advanced stages of COVID, really. So um, we are going to reopen. It's going to go slowly. I'm going to encourage folks to please keep practice social distancing, keep wearing masks in crowded places, and, and try to remember you're not just doing it for yourself, honestly. You're doing it for the people you might come in contact with who are at risk. 100 people at three crawfish farms were diagnosed with coronavirus in our state's first workplace cluster. This is according to The Advocate. You know, of course, we feel for these people and hope everyone recovers. Yeah, if, you, uh, if you've ever spent any time on a farm, um, the labor in the processing plants is very hard work. And um, the guys who run these farms struggle to find people who live in the U.S. who will work and do that labor. And so they use guest workers almost exclusively, you know, on B visas and they bring them in. And when they do that, they take very good care of them. They provide housing for them at no charge. Usually they'll pay them and let them live there, but they tend to be kind of a bunkhouse environment and the place where they work tends to be people close together. And so it's not totally surprising that those would end up being hotspots. But like every other industry, they will adopt, they'll make changes, and they'll do what they have to do to keep that from happening again. Very much like the uh, meat pack, meat processing plants up in uh, the Dakotas that have had those outbreaks. That's yeah, certainly absolutely. similar. But again, it's, it's also just a sign that this is not over in Louisiana, and we all still really need to take it seriously. You know, um, you're so right. If you do things the right way and you're careful, you can really suppress the impact of the virus. I noticed it's been about two or three days in a row now that the uh, NOLA parishes, Orleans, Jefferson, St. Bernard, um, had no coronavirus-related deaths for two or three days in a row, which hasn't happened in months. So it is possible if people you know, use their common sense and play by the rules to keep us from having this big second surge of corona that people are afraid is going to happen. Um, Also, I want to take this opportunity to remind people that even though we look at our membership and we don't see companies leaving us in droves, 
we're seeing most companies that offer health benefits to their employees are staying in place. They're not abandoning their health insurance, but they are furloughing and laying off workers with the company staying with us at Blue Cross, which means four or five, 6,000 people every month that we can see are either being pushed onto COBRA or if they can't afford it, losing their benefits. And I want to speak to those people directly right now and to let them know this is not the time to panic about losing your health insurance. In the history of Louisiana, you've never had a safety net for health benefits, for health insurance that we have today. It is strong and it is immediately available. Number one, if your income is around 138% of the poverty line or below, think for a family of four, around 40,000, 35,000 a year or less, or if you could project that for the rest of the year, you're Medicaid eligible and you can enroll in that program. If your income's higher than that, you can go on healthcare.gov. Losing your benefits at work involuntarily is a special enrollment trigger for healthcare.gov. You can go online today and apply for federal aid, get new insurance, and keep your coverage continuously. Remember, 97% of the claims we're processing now are not COVID-related. So normal illnesses and injuries are going on just like they always have. People are still having the same conditions and still seeking treatment. And we don't want that to happen to you. We don't want you to be financially liable for some giant medical bill that you didn't see coming. And also, the federal government has got in the act because Medicare now is extending enrollment. Anybody who turns 65 in February, March, or April, or May and might have missed their deadline to enroll, they've extended the Medicare deadline to June 30th. So you've still got five or six weeks to enroll in Medicare without a penalty if you failed to do it in your open enrollment window was in February, March, or April, or May. So and that penalty can be pretty hard, pretty harsh, right? It's, yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't go away. So if you get a, the penalty applied to you, it'll stick with you for years and years. This is a big deal. As you just mentioned, Mike, 90 plus percent of our claims we are processing are non-COVID-19. Um, we know that overall, and we can share that our claims processing is down. We have not processed as many claims since about mid to late March as we normally would in this time of year. Uh, we want to talk about elective procedures in Louisiana are reopening. Um, so what could that mean? Well, I see two tracks when I think about people going back to the doctor um, like they used to. Um, number one, telemedicine has just taken off. Um, it wasn't unusual for us in January, for example. I think we had about 1,200 telemedicine claims for our entire corporation. So million members and about 1,200 telehealth claims. In April, we had 157,000 telehealth claims. Now, to be fair, we're not charging for telehealth right now. If it's an in-network telehealth provider or it's our telehealth provider um, where, you know, there's no co-pays involved. But to see that kind of growth to me is very indicative of the fact that not only are our members embracing the concept of telehealth, but the medical providers were using telehealth to reach out to their patients in a very big way and keep that train going. Now we're reaching the point where office visits are starting to happen again. I'll tell you a personal experience. I had two eye doctor appointments last week, and it was 
amazing to me how well they were set up for COVID. So for one of them, they had an awning where you could drop patients off. They set up a table there and they had nurses with masks on letting people drive their car up to them. And then they scanned my forehead with a thermometer and asked me a questionnaire about symptoms. Then they gave me, uh, they took my phone number and they said, just go park over here. And when your appointment time comes, we'll, we'll text you and let you know. And so they texted me 10 minutes later, I got out of the car, a nurse met me. The, the waiting room was essentially blocked off. The waiting room had become the parking lot. And so we were able to go inside and they took me to a room. They were wiping everything down right in front of me. Everybody had masks on. I had a mask on. I felt very safe, um, even though, you know, COVID is kind of tricky. I felt very safe in that environment. Providers are adapting. And so what you need to do is when you go to your doc, make sure you ask ahead of time. They're going to probably expect you to wear a mask. Um, if you go in to see any doctor or for any face-to-face -face appointment. So pick some up, be ready for that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, an eye doctor appointment, that's something that you generally can't do over telemedicine. There were a lot of other examples like that, cancer screenings, dental visits. Um, you know, if you had to cancel any of those uh, in March or April or May, you go ahead and reschedule that soon. You don't want to fall behind on those important cancer screenings. No, that's uh, really, critical. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, if you want to learn more about telehealth, you can go to bcbsla.com slash telehealth. Uh, we've got a lot of resources there, including exactly what the payment is. Right now, we're still covering those uh, primary care telehealth visits for free. Or no no out-of-pocket costs for you, the member. That's definitely a good thing to take advantage of right now. Yeah, I think we've really seen a revolution in the way primary care is delivered. Um, you know, you and I talked at some length last year about we use telehealth for a couple of things, and it turned out to be very handy. And we both thought, you know, once people figure this out, it's really going to be an important piece, uh, you know, like another leg of that healthcare stool uh, that people will use. Uh, but I don't think either one of us envisioned that it would boom like this. But it turned out to be a really good thing that that technology was already in place because um, it happened really quickly. And, you know, while we're talking about technology in place, I just want to point out how proud I am of Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana's workforce and the organization itself. I mean, think about this. In January, we were having 2,000 people, 2,500 total going to eight different offices every single day, meeting and talking, doing everything face-to-face -to, -face to get the job done. Almost overnight, 90% of us started working from home. The technology was in place. The procedures were adjusted and fixed. And we didn't have any, we didn't suffer any loss of efficiency. We didn't suffer, you know, claims got paid, doctors got paid, hospitals got paid, you know, bills were paid. People got their service claims calls were done. answered. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so impressed that this organization made that transition. You know, if you don't mind me blowing our own horn for a minute, uh, because the money that we inject into the healthcare system is critical, uh, critical to keeping hospitals, doctors, labs, imaging centers afloat. So I just want to give a shout out to the Blue Cross guys who organized all of this. I mean, I've been working at home now for going on three months and have had no problems whatsoever. It's been seamless. Yeah, our IT team worked really, really hard to get a lot of people set up to work from home who 
previously came to an office every day and worked on a desktop and they got laptops out the door, you know, everything that they would need to get those jobs done. I'm in my home office right now. And frankly, I love not having a commute. Let's keep this going for a while. Um, Because we had prepared for this, because we were doing such a good job and our company three years ago had really invested in healthcare IT and resources and the right people and the right technology. We're actually sharing that information now with the state in a big way. So when you go to the Department of Health's website, you look at that dashboard, the modeling behind that is is very big. A big part of that is Blue Cross IT driven. Uh, we're partnering with the state. Thank goodness for the Department of Health being there to organize everything. I think they would say the same thing about us and our um, predictive modeling as well and our IT resources. So it's all been a very big deal. It's a garnered national attention now. And uh, Lindsay, why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about what's going to happen on the 21st of May. So our chief data officer, he has been talking up this data sharing that we've been doing with the state of Louisiana. We're one of several partners who are working with the state of Louisiana, either uh, providing information, which we are doing some, and then Blue Cross, of course, is doing a lot in terms of creating a dashboard, not necessarily the one you see on the public facing site, but a more robust dashboard that is running in the background for all those public health officials to really look at, really drill down. All of this is data that we have permission to use and to share. You know, it is it is information that comes to us through claims, um, information that comes to us. I think this is primarily claims data that we're using for for our partnership here. So we want to make sure that everyone understands that we're not sharing data that shouldn't be shared. We're sharing it in an incredibly safe way. Uh, there's lots of security behind it, et cetera. So our chief data officer has been talking to a lot of other blues plans. There are 36 Blue Cross and Blue Shield plans across the country. So they're asking questions about how they can work these same kind of partnerships and help provide the same kind of information to their state governments. So we are really on the forefront of something amazing in terms of this data analytics dashboard and sharing and really making a difference for the state of Louisiana. Uh, on Thursday, our Chief Data Officer, Samesh Nigam, is teaming with the uh, LDH, the Louisiana Department of Health Director of Bureau and in Health Informatics. They're doing a keynote at this year's HHS Data Science Collab Demo Day. That event's going to be from 9 a.m. to noon on May 21st. That is probably too soon for uh, us to, for you to hear about it on the podcast and join live, but uh, they generally do a recording and we'll make sure to include that in the, in the, um, in the show notes there. It's really data science across the federal government, across state governments with these private partners like Blue Cross. Uh, You know, these presentations are the most impactful and promising data science projects, which is a really exciting thing to hear just any Part of Louisiana being involved in, and of course, us here at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. We love yeah. that. I mean, think about what that means. HHS, the Department of Health and Human Services, oversees the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services, which basically provides funding for all 50 states' Medicaid programs and the 60 million people on Medicare scattered around the nation. 
and all of them are going to be exposed to technology developed by the Louisiana Department of Health and the Louisiana Blue Cross Plan because it is so cutting-edge stuff, and that's something that we're really proud of. Yeah. So we really I, are. Yep, yeah, it's going to be great, and uh, I think that um, we just want to go ahead and say goodbye right now. Um, <laughs> it's been a crazy couple of months, and we really appreciate you guys listening and hanging with us. Um, Lindsay and I think every day about what kind of information we think would be useful, but we really look forward to hearing from you. On the website, straighttalkla.com, we're publishing articles and videos and podcasts every single week. You can click a button at the bottom of the page and join and get an auto feed every time we publish one. There's an email address. You can email us directly. I check that, that box every single morning when I wake up. So you will get an answer to your email questions, or we will direct you to an expert who knows the answer. So stay with us. We have a weekly newsletter that goes out on Fridays that has you know that week's post in an easy clickable format to pop over to health headlines, other exciting things that are happening because we've been so COVID heavy lately. We're trying to include the latest ACA news, which was really the, the crux, the start of the Straight Talk uh, podcast is we wanted to inform people on what was going on with the federal health care law. We have gone in so many different directions from there. Straight Talk is really an amazing way to really learn how health insurance works. Yep. So I want to thank you, Lindsay, for hanging out with me today. And to all of you out there for listening, remember, we're here for you at straighttalkla.com. If you need health insurance, bcbsla.com is a great resource. You can talk to people online. You can talk on the phone. You can make a live appointment with an agent or a broker who will speak to you at no charge to make sure that you end up in the program that best suits your current financial situation, which we know is an issue. So please, everyone, be safe out there. Remember your masks. Have a great day. And I'll say goodbye. Thanks, Lindsay, so much for your help. Thanks.